What's up, everybody? Welcome to On West Gray, the monthly podcast about all things local government in the city of Norman. I'm your host, Tiffany Verska, Chief Communications Officer for the city of Norman, and we appreciate you tuning in. Today, we have a pair of guests with us from the city of Norman's Code Compliance Division, Ms. Janita Hatley and Mr. Kelvin Winter. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks. Now, code compliance is housed within the Department of Planning and Community Development. This team is responsible for inspecting and enforcing health and safety codes, as well as sign permit application review and processing. Their responsibilities are vast and layered, and many questions or concerns that come in from residents are often sent their way. We're about to learn a little bit more about the ins and outs of what they do right here in the Norman community. But first, big shout out to Janita, who was recently honored as Code Compliance Officer of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. And how long have you been with us here at Norman? I've been here for 31 years. I've been a code officer for 28 Awesome. Well, I think we'll talk a little bit more about how much you must love your job then. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So let's hop right in here. So whoever wants to take the first question, can you just let us know what um, the average kind of day-to-day looks like um, as a code compliance officer? Well, um, there are four of us out in the field, and so we have our areas that are assigned to us. So we patrol those areas regularly proactively looking for code violations. We also are inspecting complaints that we've received from citizens calling into our office or to the Action Center. Um, We also have a lot of interaction with citizens either on their properties or by answering their phone calls, voice messages, and returning emails. We have a lot of interaction with our citizens after we've been out doing some of this proactive work or code enforcement work. But uh, we also are researching ownership each day. We have to research the legal documents and ownership, utility records, to know who to send our notices to. So there's a lot of data entry, a lot of time in the office as well, or sitting at the computer in our in our vehicles doing a lot of work like that too. So, Okay, so I heard you say there are four folks in your division. Is that right? Four inspectors, one supervisor, and one admin tech, yes. Okay, that's a, um, that's a lot of ground to cover for that amount of staff. And so I think we comment often on the show about um, how we do a lot with a lean staff at Norman. Yes, that's true. Um, so when folks call in a concern, is it tended to immediately or what does the timeline or process look like? A lot of that depends on the type of violation that it is. Anything that we abate or our contractors can abate uh, basically requires by state statute and city ordinance to, they have ten, you know, we have to give them a minimum of 10 days to comply once the notice is given. Um, and abate basically means like resolve. And abate means the, to resolve the problem. If okay. it's tall weeds, it's mowing. If it's, you know, household furniture, appliances, or junk, trash, and debris, then it's cleaning that up. Got it. Uh, it okay. could be securing unsecured structures. It could be... Um, you know, vegetation, be it trees, bushes, whatever, that may be obstructing pedestrian traffic on the sidewalk or vehicular traffic in the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes we get, you know, wind or a lot of rain, and especially at the time of year when everything's green, you know, tree limbs start dropping. And so what happens is they'll drop down, and then you'll have your vehicles like sanitation trucks, uh, embarked transit buses, those kinds of things that are getting hit, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the top with tree limbs and stuff. And so then we'll notify the property owners whose trees are causing the problem to uh, 
you know, trim it up, trim it back, whatever's necessary. And our contractors would do that if they did not. So okay. that's kind of how that works. And it, like I said, it depends on the violation. There are things like, you know, if somebody needs to oh, make some repairs to the outside of their house, like soffits, eaves, you know, where there's rotting wood, and maybe they need to paint because the paint's peeling, those kinds of things, you know, uh, they're they're going to be given, you know, at least 30 to 60 days, maybe more, depending on what's going on and also depending on the time of year. Mm-hmm. And uh, But we'll work closely with the property owners to uh, get things resolved. Our deadlines aren't necessarily, uh, you know, set in stone. Uh, basically, we just want people to communicate with us. Right. So if you get... You know, in our in our letters, when we send our notices out, they'll have the inspector's name, their email address, and their direct line phone number uh, for contact to establish that communication. Because normally, whenever we send a notice out, we have nothing but their address. We have no idea what their phone number is. We have no idea what their email address is. So it's dependent and incumbent upon the person that receives the notice to contact us. But, uh, you know, we just want compliance. We're, we're not out there to punish anybody. We just want it taken care of. And we prefer that they do it and not us have to step in with a citation or send a work order to an abatement crew to go out and take care of the problem. So, you know, basically, you know, if you'll commun- people will communicate with us um, and we provide the means in those notices that we send out. And, uh, and basically it's, you know, if somebody calls and say it's high weeds, and, you know, we have to start somewhere. So, you know, we're going to tell them they have a 10-day deadline. Um, we we even have it in our software. We do an extra day. We do 11 days just mm-hmm. so that they have the full 10 days to get it taken care of. But they'll call us, you know, a couple days or whatever before uh, the reinspection is due and say, hey, my lawnmower, I started mowing, my lawnmower broke. It's at the shop. I, I'll need, I need the next weekend mm-hmm. to be able to get it out. Uh, get it fixed, get it back, and mow. And we'll work with people as long as the timelines are reasonable, regardless of what it is, whether it's painting a house or mowing the weeds or cleaning up a, you know, junk and debris or appliances or furniture or whatever. Um, you know, if they'll just communicate with us, we'll work with them on it as long as what they're requesting on on timeline is reasonable. Right. So, so the the communication aspect is just really important here. It is. It is key. Communication is key because you know a lot of people tend to think, you know, that's the deadline and I have to do it by then and there's no movement. Well, we will, as long mm-hmm. as if you'll communicate with us and tell us what's going on, uh, you know, we'll work with you as, as long as it's reasonable. I mean, obviously, if you have tall weeds and say, well, you know, I'm in France on vacation all summer and I'm, right. you know, and so I'm not going to be able to do all Well, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's like, hey, I've been sick for a few days. I need a few more days to get this accomplished or whatever. Yeah, we'll work with you on that because we would rather, uh, you know, the property owner or the occupant or whoever take care of it themselves rather than us have to do it. And, you know, and ultimately that's just better for everyone. And so communication is key. They'll just communicate. Uh, you know, we can get a lot of problems solved with a little heartache. Sure. Sure. Well, that seems fair to me. So on average, do you know how many calls um, you all take maybe week to week or month to month? Yeah, basically, it's, you know, because we work proactively, uh, more than 50 percent of our of the caseloads are proactive okay. that the inspector has done. So it's less than 50 percent. That's complaints that's called in. Um, 
but roughly about 200 cases a week, about 800 a month, and about 10,000 a year. Oh, my. Is about where we're at on that. And, you know, yeah, there are some that, you know, we're working it proactively, but the neighbors don't know that. So they may, you know, they may call us and say, you know, hey, my neighbor at this address, you know, Mm -hmm. their weeds are two feet tall. And it's like, uh, well, good news, the inspector's already found it. And so we've, we've already got an open case on that and we're working on it. Okay. So, uh, so that works out. We, we really enjoy when things, when they call and we can tell them we're already on it, uh, whether it's, uh, they call in or whether it's from the action center. Yeah. We're already aware of that, but I mean, you know, there's not a, there's 193.6 square miles of city limits in Norman. Mm-hmm. We got four active inspectors and me as one supervisor. And, you know, it's, it takes a lot of time to cover areas. So, you know, we do still appreciate and want people to call in complaints because we may not have found that one yet. Sure. So, so, you know, please do don't stop the complaints just because, oh, they might already be working it. Yeah, go ahead and please let us know if we are. We'll tell you, hey, we have an open case on that. Great. And so we're already in that process or, you know, no, we didn't know about that and we'll have an inspector check on it. So. And there's multiple ways to, you know, call those in or communicate right. with you all. Um, you mentioned the Action Center. Mm-hmm. So you can call or fill out the web form or send an email or call your office directly. All of that information's online at normanok.gov. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you keep up with so many calls and <laughs> cases, but it sounds um, like some real heroes work to me. So thank you for what you do. <laughs> we also have an online portal. Or complaints directly can be submitted to us okay. as well, in addition to all those other avenues you mentioned. Awesome. All right. Good deal. So we just congratulated Janita on the topmost award in the state, but we should brag on this entire team for just a moment. I know that we have a legacy of the best and brightest in terms of code enforcement with several of our staff taking home prestigious awards and honors for the jobs that they do. So what would you say is key to succeeding in these roles? I would say um, trying to remain positive and um, and to remain calm. Oftentimes we're dealing with upset citizens, so just remaining calm. But uh, we, we have a great team here. We all can vent to one another if we need to, if we've had a rough day. Um, but but I, I think, you know, m- making the positive impact in the community is rewarding for us. You know, driving down streets and areas and seeing how seeing them cleaned up after we've come through and and done some of our enforcement it's it's nice to see the impact that we've made on the neighborhoods and uh, you know our goal is to try to keep things healthy uh safe for the for the citizens of norman and so um uh, that's that's probably what i would say Okay. And, and I did have a question too. Um, I come from a community that did not have a lot of HOAs or homeowners associations. So what are, what's the dynamic there with, um, code compliance with the city of Norman and then HOAs? I mean, do you encourage people to like kind of report through HOAs if, if their neighborhood is, um, has one of those or can they call you directly or what's that look like for you? Well, it's, it's, it can go either way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what happens is you'll have residents in a community that has an active uh, homeowners association and they'll contact the, their HOA about it. And a lot of times the HOAs will sit, you know, give a notice or put a note on the door or something about the issue that's in violation, violation of their covenants and restrictions. Um, 
if they don't do anything about it, if it's something that also happens to violate uh, city ordinance, mm-hmm. uh, then a lot of times the HOAs will call us and say, you know, their weeds have been out of control. We told them about it. They haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. So we're going to turn it into you guys uh, for enforcement action on that. Gotcha. Uh, you know, HOA covenants and restrictions can be a lot more stringent than mm-hmm. what city ordinance is. So if it's something that's not a violation of city ordinance, but it is a violation of covenants and restrictions, that's totally up to the HOA uh, to enforce that. And the city's unable to do anything like that. Um, there may be, they may have, you know, an HOA may have a covenant restriction against any accessory structures. So you can't have a storage shed in your backyard. And so, you know, the city of Norman does you know, they allow that, Mm -hmm. but the covenants and restrictions of a particular HOA may not allow it. And so that's uh, completely up to the HOA to enforce those issues that are not a violation of city ordinance. Got it. So that's kind of how that works. Okay. Good to know. So what would you say your favorite part about the job is? Well, I enjoy working with... uh, the interaction with all of the citizens, that's that's very rewarding. But we uh, we work with a lot of other city departments, just practically all of them, it seems. But we work very closely with the police and the fire department, mm-hmm. um, line maintenance, sanitation. We work with them quite a bit. But um, we do a lot of inspections, annual inspections with the fire, inspe- fire inspectors. Mm-hmm. So uh, we go out to the sororities and fraternities, and hotels and bed and breakfasts, and um, we, we do all those inspections together so that we can issue an annual permit from the city of Norman. But then we also do, uh, on our own, we also do the short-term rental inspections. That's a fairly new program that we have here at the city. So the Airbnbs and the VRBOs, mm-hmm. th- things like that. We issue an annual permit to those and inspect those annually as well. So, All right. Um, I totally understand and agree with kind of working across the board with all the city departments. We're lucky and blessed to be able to do that, Bryce and I here in communications um, and learn about the jobs of everybody just with the podcast. And so understand where you're coming from there. So, so we hear a lot about like tall grass and weeds. It was mentioned a couple times already, junk vehicles, that sort of thing. And what's something that maybe is less routine that your team can, uh, may come across or deal with? Well, there's zoning violations, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, an improper use. So in a residential area, somebody is, say, operating a uh, barber shop out of their garage. Well, you know, that's a home occupation that's actually specifically prohibited by ordinance, zoning ordinance. And so, you know, there's those kinds of things. Um, you so know, zoning and, kind of give us a little bit of background on zoning. I mean, it kind of just dictates what you can do in certain areas. Is that yes, correct? Yes. Basically, the, what the zoning does is, you know, depending on what is like residential, it'll have, it'll list, okay, here's the uses that's allowed in residential. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll go on to say, here's a list, a special use list you can do if you go to the planning commission and obtain a special use in this zoning district. Sure. So... You know, there's a a lot of things that goes like um, some things that require a special use, um, like before we changed our municipal ordinances to allow, say, a medical marijuana dispensaries, Mm -hmm. you know, they would they would have to get a special use first to be able to do that. Well, now that's been uh, the the zoning ordinance has been modified to and that's just an example 
but it's been modified to allow that uh, in s specific zoning areas. Um, so there's a lot of things that's there. It's like maybe a church or a school, depending on what the zoning is, they may have to get a special use to be able to exist there. And so, you know, to apply for special use, you have to go to the planning commission. Then after it gets past the planning commission, it would go to council for a council vote uh, to to allow something for a special use in a specific zoning district. So that's kind of how that works. We also utilize the International Property Maintenance Code here. We have adopted that. So that allows us to address issues with structures, residential or commercial. So oftentimes we're going into residential properties uh you know, the tenant maybe is having an issue with the landlord not repairing things. Um, and so often we're contacted to go in and make an inspection. And then we work with the property owner or the manager um, and try to address those issues and get those, those problems resolved for the tenants that are living there. But that can be, that can be tricky sometimes. You know, we're, we're also asking property owners to maintain their structures Mm -hmm. So broken windows, we're asking them to replace those and things like that. Uh, hoarding issues can be sensitive and can be tricky. Um, but, you know, those those are issues that we, we try to tackle gently, I would sure. say, you know. And, I mean, we've talked a lot about the what and the when, but why is this important? You know, why is zoning important? Why is code compliance important? Well, I feel like it's to make, as I said before, a positive impact on the community to help, mm -hmm. you know, the health, safety, and welfare of our citizens is, is important to us. And that's really why we're, why we're here, why we do this job. Um, a lot of, I've heard a lot of other code officers in the state mention that code enforcement or code compliance in their community is an economic development tool. Um, you know, we're, businesses are less likely to come, want to come to a community that has a lot of violations, a lot of uh, damaged, dilapidated, vacant, abandoned structures, right. or tall grass and trash. So, you know, um, that that's that's our reasoning, I would say. Sure. I've, I've actually read a couple studies on that. Yeah. Um, that makes complete sense. So ultimately, what would you all like folks to know about code compliance here in Norman? You know, a lot of this we covered previously. And one thing you mentioned at the very beginning of uh, this podcast was a uh, sign permit review. Mm -hmm. And so we do about 450 of those a year as well. And that's anywhere from, you know, billboards along the interstate uh, or the tall ground signs, pylon type signs that the businesses have that are close to the interstate. And then just a wall sign, you know, above the entry on the wall of a business. Uh, and then temporary signs. Temporary signs also require a permit. If you know, basically, if it's it's visible from uh, the street or side public street or sidewalk, and its intent is to draw people in, even if it's temporary, it requires a permit. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that they need a permit for a temporary sign when they put out like a feather flag or a yard sign or something like that to draw attention to their business. And the other thing is that none of it can be in the right of way. And a lot of businesses will go out and put it right out, you know, in the grass right next to the curb. Well, it's in the right of way. It's illegal. It can't be there. Right. It has to be and it, essentially behind the sidewalk is usually pretty safe mm -hmm. as far as not being in the right of way. Generally, most of the time, a lot of a lot of property lines, not all, but a lot go to the inside edge of the sidewalk or close to it. Um, 
So basically the rule of thumb is, you know, and when you have a sign, you, number one, you're going to need a permit to put out a, a temporary sign. And number two, it can't be in the right of way. So make sure it's behind the sidewalk. And generally that'll cover that. So, and we do a lot, we remove a lot of signs in the rights away. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about some of the temporary signage and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if it varies um, as far as the type of signage that you have, but what is the, you know, I'll see signage for um, an election or a sale or something like that. And then that time has passed. So folks need to go back and pick up that signage, right? So what's the timeline like on that? Well, it's, it's a little bit different. Political signs are a little bit different because it's, it's political. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit different than, you know, somebody advertising a yard sale because they're doing a garage sale at their house. You know, technically, when you have a garage sale, the only place you can legally put a sign is on your property where the sale is occurring and it can't be anywhere else. A lot of times people will go out and they'll put signs with an arrow or something, you know, at the intersection closest to their house or whatever. And those are all illegal. And a lot of times, you know, it depends on what's going on, but, you know, we may end up removing those. But if they put those out, the big thing is make sure you go back and take them back up. Right. Uh, if we haven't got to them yet to grab them and throw them away, just pick them back up. Especially if you plan on using them again in the future, clean up your own mess. And, uh, you know, otherwise we'll end up picking it up eventually and throwing it away. So... Yeah, that's good to know. I'm sure that, um, you know, sharing knowledge is probably just a really big part of what you do day to day, because as you said, folks just may not know. Very true. Right. Now, I, I um, even though we are proactive in in our enforcement, I would I always like to tell citizens that um, we there's only four of us to cover this this area out in the field. And so we're not in every neighborhood or on every street uh, every, you know, every week, all the time. So we, we do rely on citizens to help, um, com, you know, submit these complaints or call in and, and just inquire, are you already working this property? Uh, because it's helpful for us. And since we can't be everywhere all the time, but we, we do, um, as Kelvin said, you know, the majority of our work truly is proactive. Um, certainly in my area it is, but, uh, we, we do rely on the citizens to help. So that's very helpful when they call and at either through the Action Center or to our office directly and, and submit complaints. Yes, the citizens are your eyes and ears. They are. Yes. They can't yes. be everywhere, right? Right. Awesome. Well, and, it, it, you know, it's a community effort. You know, I mean, we're the ones that's being used for enforcement to try to help get these problems solved. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, we're problem solvers, but we need the community to help us with that for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we send out notices for violations, 95% of the people comply voluntarily, um, you know, with the notice of violation. Um, so you've only got that 5% that we either have to abate or file charges on or something like that. So, you know, the compliance rate's good. People are pretty good about complying for the most part. And, um, you know, and it just makes for a safer, healthier, uh, a better uh, standard of living. Uh, quality of life is better. And it keeps property values up so that people want to sell their house. You know, they don't want some horrid thing right next to them because right. uh, it could affect their property values. And so, you know, if it's violations, we, you know, that's why we try to work all these to keep people's property values up keep the quality of life up for people um, and and just help out and, and make Norman a nice place to visit and yes. to live. As a Norman homeowner, I thoroughly appreciate <laughs> what you all do. So thank you so much. Thanks for being with us. 
So questions or commentary about On West Gray can be sent into publicaffairs at normanok.gov. Shout out to our producer and editor, Mr. Bryce Holland of the City of Norman Communications Office. Don't forget to celebrate Lakes Appreciation and Parks and Recreation Month in July. Log on to normanok.gov to learn more about all of the fun lined up. Janita, Kelvin, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, stay engaged, stay informed, and always remember to cast your ballot. I'm Tiffany Verska. Thank you for tuning in to On West Gray. Thank you.